Welcome back to the Underdog Podcast. It's been a while. Uh, Conference USA edition of the show. Uh, the season's over, single tier. Uh, bowl season's wrapped up. The national championship's over. Uh, UCF is the national champions, of course. Um, but, yeah, it's been a while. We have a bowl recap to get to. Uh, early signing period happened. We'll kind of go over that a little bit. Plenty of coaching hires, news, notes, that kind of thing to talk about. But, wow, welcome back. If you don't remember, since it's been so long, I'm Joe Londrigan, the Western Kentucky blogger over at underdogdynasty.com, the G5 football community on SB Nation. And coming at you live from the frozen tundra of Norfolk, Virginia, former Old Dominion kicker punter Satchel Ziffer. How are you today, sir? I'm good. Uh, <laughs> kind of sad. It's football season's over. Well, football that I care about is over. Well, that off-season depression is starting to hit, and it's just like, well, what do I do now? You know, I don't know. For me, like, basketball doesn't get, like, I love basketball, but, like, it doesn't get, like, crazy exciting until, like, the last, like, two weeks of the season. <laughs> yeah, I agree, but at the same time, like, watching that Trey Young kid from Oklahoma play is pretty fun. Yeah. So I, I like him. Yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. Every time you have that, like... Uh, the clear-cut like MVP finalist or Naismith finalist or whatever, you gotta take time to catch him. But other He's, than that, dude, that, yeah. kid, that kid's gonna be a monster in the NBA. Probably so. Anyway, um, so yeah, we'll get to the uh, bowl recap first. Not really a great outing for uh, Conference USA. Four and five overall, and it kind of started off with a pretty bad loss for North Texas at the hands of Troy, uh, fifty to thirty. Uh, UNT turned the ball over five times, three lost fumbles, two interceptions. And here's what really killed North Texas in this game, though. Uh, just zero rushing attack netted. Actually, less than zero rushing attack, really. Uh, negative eight rushing yards on 25 attempts. I uh, really felt that absence of Jeffrey Wilson on that offense. Overall, Troy won the yardage battle 435 to 295. Fantastic day and year for their quarterback, Brandon Silvers. Uh, UNT end that year nine and five overall, so certainly a disappointing game for them. But uh, Troy was certainly one of the better teams in the G5 this year. I had that big win over LSU earlier in the year, if you'll remember. And looking forward to next year, North Texas does have a lot of their key pieces coming back, minus Jeffrey Wilson. So, uh, you know, reason to be somewhat optimistic in Denton. Nope, never optimistic there. Never. <laughs> <laughs> nah, is a. I mean. It's Troy. Troy was a good team this year. Troy would probably match up against anyone pretty well, uh, minus you know, UCF and USF. But whatever, they you know couldn't. It, they were one dimensional, and Troy has a decent defense enough to stop a one dimensional team. So just made it pretty easy for them. That's true, and you know just didn't really come through. Uh, you know just that Troy offense just dominated pretty much every aspect of the game. So rough one for the Mean Green. Uh, speaking of rough one, oh, God this. This, this the Cure Bowl. Western Kentucky lost to Georgia State 27-17. to If you watched Western Kentucky football this year but missed this game, it was really just more of the same from the tops. Net negative two rushing yards, still have the worst offensive line in the country. Mike White got sacked six times. That was the fourth game this year. He's been sacked at least five times, so kind of an unceremonious end to a really great career for him. Uh, he finished the day with 26 completions on 39 attempts, 351 yards, and two touchdowns. He did get picked off once. Uh, Nicarius Fant also got picked off on a wideout pass. A uh, bright spot of this game for Western was Dion Yelder. Uh, five catches for 112 yards and two touchdowns. 
nice performance to end his career, but man, just this team just looked dead in the second half. They were only down three going into halftime, but there was just nothing there. Combine that with how well Georgia State was able to uh, manage the ball and the clock. and Halftime adjustments, man. I, they did a big factor. I mean, yeah, Georgia State made them in Western Kentucky. No, just, they just played their same game. It was kind of it was just like you know, they saw they thought that they saw exactly what they game planned for. So they were like, whatever, we'll just keep it how it is. And I don't understand that the game plan or whatever hasn't worked. The it didn't work the majority of the year, and they just like, I mean, whatever. Got a free trip to uh, Harry Potter World out of it, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what happened to this team this year. <laughs> You're telling me. Seriously, you, do you want to complain more about how your team gave up on your expectations? I mean, we've just we've done it over the course of this year, so I feel like we're just beating a long dead horse at this point. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I guess I should be thankful I had a bolder recap for Western Kentucky in this game. Yeah, yeah. Half your team wasn't injured this season. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. speaking of injuries, like I, you know, I want to say like, oh, you know, if guys like Cam Eccles Looper had been in this game, it would have been different. But I really don't think it would have. Just that. That offensive line. You, was you can never say that one person because it's a team sport. No, so it's I, not unless your quarterback's out. Like your quarterback's the only person. If you had a Baker Mayfield out, then I would understand you saying, ah, the game could have been a different game. No, I understand, and I'm not saying that. I want to say that because I'm just looking for <laughs> looking for excuses at this point. Yeah. But no, I mean, no, this offensive line was horrible. Couldn't keep the arguably like the best pocket quarterback in the country on his feet long enough to make a play at most games. Like, it was it was a really frustrating year, and it ended in yet another really frustrating loss. So yeah. <sighs> Done. Yeah, Mike Sanford, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt for another year because, I mean, pretty good recruiting class coming in this year, but get it together next year. There's no excuse that team should have been this bad this year with the amount of talent that was on it. So um, let's go to New Mexico then. In the New Mexico Bowl, Marshall hung on for a 31-28 win over the Colorado State Rams, uh, due in part to just some monster scoring plays by that thundering herd offense. Uh, 501 total yards on the day for them. 76-yard pass from Chase Litton to Tyre Brady opened the scoring in the beginning of the second quarter. Uh, Brady caught another 47-yarder a few drives later that set up their next touchdown. And uh, Keon Davis also had a 68-yard touchdown. Uh, Tyler King had a 90-yarder in the uh, in the third quarter. Just a really, really solid day from this Marshall offense. And then on the Colorado State side, uh, they scored 14 in the fourth quarter to get within three. Uh, but that Marshall D stepped up when they needed to and turned it over on downs within the last two minutes. So uh, the offense able to hang on there. And uh, so kind of an up-and-down year overall for Marshall as they finish 8-5. and five. But a pretty great win for them in this one. And uh, were they favored Surprising. in that game? Right, where they they weren't favored in that game. I don't right? think so, and I I didn't see them winning this game at all. Like I just thought Colorado State was a better team, and I just thought that the wide receivers for Colorado State were going to be able to make some big plays. But hey, man, Marshall did their thing. I mean, they kind of if you watch the game, they kind of just strapped down and just you know they were able to contain Colorado State enough to like you know keep them in the third and eighth, third and nine situations that made it hard for them to play with them. So it's just and they they did like. Marshall, when I think of Marshall football, I just think of like a younger brother of Alabama because they do exactly what Alabama usually does. But this game, they kind of changed it up and they just went for the big play opportunities all the time. Like when I when I think of Marshall, I think okay, they're going to run the ball, they're going to make it third and short, 
so that they're going to be able to get a third down. They're going to be able to move the sticks every single time. And and it just kind of, they switched it up today, and I think they're, they switched it up in the game, and I think that's what really helped them out and gave them the edge. Yeah, yeah, it definitely seems that way. Just we're able to execute in a way that Colorado State just was not pretty solid um, performance in the passing game from Chase Litton. He was 17-32 for 262 yards, threw two touchdowns, um, had two interceptions. But, uh, you know, with how that Colorado State's uh, D has been all year, you kind of figured they were going to be able to step up and make some plays. And they kind of did. Like, this Colorado State team didn't have a horrible game aside from, like, you know, giving up a 90-yard touchdown run and that kind of thing. But, I don't know. This this game just delivered in terms of entertainment value across the board. I was so happy I was able to catch that. Yeah, and I think we both agreed we both agreed that this one was going to probably be the best game of the bowl season. I mean, yeah. it seemed like it was going to be the best one on paper, so. Yeah, and it I, like I said, it lived up to the hype in every way. Um so, and we were we made a correct uh, joint prediction. I don't feel like that happens super often. No, no, I actually went with Colorado State in this one. Oh, damn. Well, we were right about it being entertaining, I guess. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but I'm not going to take credit for something that I'm not given shouldn't be given credit for. More power to you then. Camellia Bowl, Middle Tennessee, uh, another like close, solid win for Conference USA. Middle Tennessee won a close one there, 35 to 30 over Arkansas State. They end the year with a winning record of seven and six. Uh, no Richie James in that one. He sat that game out for an injury and looks like he is going to the NFL. Going to the NFL. Yep. But vintage Brent Stockskill uh, performance in that game. So uh, 232 yards on 19 completions out of 35 attempts, two TDs. Did throw three interceptions, though. Uh, kind of looked like they were going to give it up, honestly, when Arkansas State came like storming back at the end. Two straight sacks by the MTSU defense, though, on that last possession, sealed it up as time expired. Um, so kind of in retrospect, if you're MTSU, not a fantastic year, but winning four out of their last five has to excite you. But at the same time, you're losing your good quarterback that kind of made that possible now. Yeah, and I think it – I don't know. I In some regards, I think it's a bad thing. But at the same time, I think they have enough weapons to – you know, next year is going to be a rebuilding year. But in the future, they'll be good, hopefully. Yeah, I don't so, know where I was going with that sentence. It just kind of – it's one of those things. Do you think uh, Rick Stockstill stays off the hot seat next year? Depends, really. I think I think he'll have more leniency because it'll be kind of a, a rebuilding year. But at the same time, like I mean, Middle Tennessee expects to win games, so we'll see. I think I think he'll be on the hot seat, but he won't. It won't be like he's going to get fired next year. It'll right. depend on the year after next. Okay, you th- you think he'll get a certain amount of leniency with the amount of talent that he's losing in this class? Correct. And and for like these G five teams, getting guys to the NFL that's a huge thing. And I think that. Just shows that he's a good coach and he has the he's recruiting the right guys. So, I I, I wouldn't say he's on the hot seat necessarily. All right, kind of a, a scary few weeks there for middle fans uh, on that losing streak when Brent Stock still uh, did go down, but they managed to get it together. So, I mean, good for them, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of expecting to win games, um, FAU in the uh, Boca Raton Bowl, the Cherry Bundy Tart Cherry Boca Raton Bowl. Uh, just absolutely dominated Akron, 50-3. to And right before this game, actually, Lane Kiffin signed a new 10-year deal, so kind of earned it <laughs> in uh, in this game. And not that he didn't earn it all year, but 582 total yards for FAU's offense. Uh, the defense held Akron to just 146 yards. 
no turnovers for either team, which was a little bit surprising, uh, just considering how uh, effective FAU's DBs in particular have been at uh, intercepting people this year. Um, but really, the run game was just rolling on all cylinders for the Owls. Uh, 312 rush yards, uh, seven different players had at least one carry. Uh, Devin Singletary had 26 of them for 124 yards and three touchdowns. Jason Driscoll, good day for him as well, had four total touchdowns. He ran two in, and he threw two to Willie Wright, um, which, speaking of Willie Wright, he gets overshadowed a little bit, but he's a fantastic player in his own right, and he'll be one to watch. <laughs> Was there a pun intended there or not? <laughs> it really wasn't, actually, <laughs> in his own right. Okay, yeah, all right, I see what I inadvertently did in there. Um, but yeah, he'll be he'll be one to watch the next few years as Kiffin uh, apparently continues to build that program up. Yeah, and I actually after I don't know if anyone else watched it, but that his post game interview explains exactly why he's at at Florida Atlantic and nowhere else. The guy is the most awkward person in front of the cameras ever, and I know it's been reported on, but that guy he doesn't <laughs> like he doesn't like anything but just coaching football. So not being in the limelight is probably his best the best thing for him, and he's happy for it. So that's why he signed a 10-year contract. That's why I don't believe he will go anywhere else now because he's just happy not being, you know, constantly, you know, on the media and in the news and on ESPN and stuff like that. Oh, so, so yeah, he's he's so he's just an awkward human being. <laughs> I know. Like, did you see? I it was right at the beginning of the game where he did the interview with uh, whoever the sideline reporter was for that game, yeah. I remember. Yeah, and he just, like, he, like, looked like he was looking away from the camera. And, like, he was just, it was so weird. Dude. He's just a strange human being. Right. They I, were, I can't even explain it. They were about to cut away from him, and they asked him two questions, and, he, and then the sideline reporter was like, all right, coach, thanks for your time. He's like, yeah. And then as they're about to cut <laughs> away, he's like, why didn't you ask the third quick? And then they cut. <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny. He looked um, like he looked like a he looked like Tua Takavamakadva because like it's like when you're it's your first time being interviewed by the media you have no clue what you're to say mm-hmm. and it's just awkward feeling. So it's like he, he it's like it was his first time being on the freaking air. It's like it's so funny. Oh my god, he's gotten more awkward like as his career has gone on. Yeah, yeah, he has, and it's just like like has he just like does he have like some like stage fright or something? It's so weird. It must be it must be so weird being like a player on his team and him going up in front of the team to talk like at a team meeting and just like like not wanting to laugh. Like I don't know. I don't know if that's like just like his persona or just like something he plays off well so that he doesn't have to talk to anyone. Did you see they showed a clip of the press conference but um with him and Terry Bowden before the game and that he was I I guess he was like attempting to like give Terry Bowden like crap about, like, Akron's mascot or whatever. He was like, do they have live kangaroos walking around Akron? <laughs> and then Terry was like, yeah, well, they don't have elephants walking around Alabama either. And then his then Kiffin's expression was just, like, the most, like, whoa. <laughs> like, mind blown. <laughs> like, he's like, I never thought about that. Say, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> oh, God, I love, yeah, Kiffin keep doing you it's so funny so kind of expected FAU to roll to a huge win in that one and they delivered Um, something I did not expect though Louisiana Tech to trounce SMU in this Frisco Bowl 51 to 10 
easily the biggest surprise of the bowl season for me. They led 42 to 10 at the half and then scored nine more points. You didn't see that coming after Sonny Dykeson announced that he would be coaching the game. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's so that's such a weird move to uh, for a new head coach to coach like the last game of the season. That's so weird in in every respect. It's just a really strange move. I agree, but like this SMU offense had just been so like in spots, really like lethal, but just had nothing to. They had nothing. They came with just no firepower at all. Um, and I had faith that this Tech offense would have a good day. But that defense really came to play as well. Uh, Tech for six turnovers in this one. Uh, Bulldog defense actually scored two touchdowns. Not how SMU obviously wanted to start the Sonny Dykes era. Um, and uh, continuing to harp on how good that Louisiana Tech offense was in this one. Uh, four total scores for Jamar Smith. Three passing, one rushing. I, I, maybe not. I was going to say they've kind of silently gone uh, for four straight bull wins, but you know probably not silent to the folks down in Rustin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I don't really have to comment on this one. It just he just they destroyed them. It was, there was nothing you could even say about this game. Yeah. No. Louisiana Tech just dominated this whole time. Like I don't know. They just killed them. And like between combining them with like. FAU's win, that's just how I want to remember Conference USA's bowl season. Just 100 uh, to 13, 101 to 13. Yeah, just, I don't know. It, it's surprising that it was Louisiana Tech of all the teams to just absolutely blow out their opponent, especially when you're playing someone in a bigger conference. I don't know. SMU definitely has work to do, and obviously losing their head coach, not ideal. But And Sonny Dykes, I, I don't think Sonny Dykes is the right man for that job, but whatever. Gotta move on. Yeah, time will tell. So... Moving on from a loss for the American to a win for the American. Temple beating FIU 28-3 in the Gasparilla Bowl. Tough loss for FIU in this one as Alex Magoo went down with a shoulder injury almost immediately and uh, didn't return. And that kind of put the reins into the hands of uh, Maurice Alexander, the sophomore. And he struggled uh, through two picks and was sacked eight times. So yeah. not how you uh, want to end the year if you're FIU. Yeah, he's no Tua. You know, Tua He is no Tua. Right, yeah. yeah. I'm just going to say that for now on with any quarterback. He's no Tua. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, not, obviously not how you want to see Alex Magoo's career end either. <laughs> Can we just take a second? Alex Magoo. Magoo. I know. <laughs> Such a good last name. I know. I'm pretty sure I had his last name wrong, like, most of the year anyway. So if anybody calls me on that, yeah. Wasn't there a movie, wasn't there a movie called Mr. Magoo? Uh, there was like an old cartoon, Mr. Magoo. That yeah. is a funny. That was a funny show or movie. I for, I remember watching it. I just don't remember really like what it was about. <laughs> I don't remember. I mean, I'm sure I'll have to go on like YouTube later and try to figure it out. Was that the one that was like sort of racist? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it was it was a show and then it was a movie. Yeah, it was definitely. I think it was the one that was a little racist. But the the oh, movie yeah. came out in '97, and that was I remember that because it's just like this. It was a uh, what's his name? Uh, Leslie Nielsen, in the movie. Okay, yeah, he and I just remember the one, one scene where he was like at the ski lift, and like he ended up going down the ski on the skis backwards or something. It was really funny. As a little kid, I thought it was very funny. As a little kid, you love the cartoons, so um, yeah, yeah. That's uh that's the analysis of that game. Mr. Magoo was yeah. a funny cartoon. Sorry, lost FIU. <laughs> yeah. Then I'm um, done. 
Yeah, pretty much. But they'll be back. They have a monster recruiting class, uh, which we'll talk Correct. about a little bit later. So I, I really wouldn't worry too much. Um, obviously, I understand your disappointment if you're a Panther fan, but uh, I guess that's just the way it shakes out sometimes. Um, but Butch Davis era has a long way to go, or a few more years on it anyway. The uh, Bahamas Bowl. UAB, this was surprising. Yeah, yeah, another surprising result. UAB just getting trounced by Ohio 41-6. to Obviously pretty disappointing to see. UAB just did not look ready to play, especially on defense. Uh, that offense wasn't good either. Only 99 rushing yards for the usually pretty prolific run game. Um, for Ohio, Dorian Brown just looks near unstoppable, averaging uh, 12.7 yards per carry in that game, scored four touchdowns, including a 74-yarder, which, by the way, he was only averaging 50 or so yards per game going into that one, and he tripled that average in this game. So, again, disappointing performance by the UAB defense. And you try to find the positives for the Blazers as they finish the year 8-5. and five. But in this game, there really kind of weren't any. Just a terrible outing for them. Yeah, they just looked overmatched in every single facet. And I guess I, I knew Ohio was a good team, but I didn't expect this. I thought UAB was going to come to play. Disappointing outcome for them, I think. Um, Ten the year, but still a great year nonetheless. Yeah. And they got to hang out at Atlantis for a week, so... Cool. Yeah, you can't be too sad about that, but just really thought there was going to be more from that team in this game. Uh, A.J. Erdely, 24-45 for 254 yards. And I don't know, just this deep, just the uh, uh, the rushing attack. Again, just not really anything to kind of hang your hat on there. Uh, 99 total yards for them, just 37 for Spencer Brown, 32 for Noble. Um, Early tacked on 31 as well. But, yeah, just couldn't get it done. I, but I, I think you got to put the majority of the blame on that defense for allowing Dorian Brown to just, like... Yeah, but you also got to remember that that defense, like, I mean, especially in the second half, I think it was, like, three three drives in a row that they went three and out. So you got to be tired after that. And then, you know, on these long drives they had, they didn't capitalize for touchdowns. They they missed a field goal. They hit two field goals. And then they, they lost on downs, like, twice. So, you know, I... It's on the offense, I think, more than the defense, actually. In the second half, the first half, they just let up touchdown after touchdown every single drive, basically. So, yeah, it was just kind of disappointing, I would say. I mean, the defense needed to, you know, I thought they were ready for it. They weren't, you know. Ohio just kind of bruised and, you know, went down the field and just kicked them, kicked their butts. They wasn't ready. No. Yeah. He needs no. some milk. <laughs> he needs some milk. <laughs> Yeah, uh, just a real, real bad day for uh, Bill Clark and his Blazer team. So, but I, mean, I guess an overall, like, you know, you can't be too mad about it if uh, that's your first year back in FBS. I think they'll they'll improve next yeah. year, but you know, got to be ready to play in these bowl games. You know, so correct. That's that. Last one, Independence Bowl. Uh, you saw this one coming. I thought USM would put up a little bit more of a fight, but. What do you know? Uh, Florida State beats the Golden Eagles 42-13 to in this one. They put up a fight for the half, and then it just kind of got out of hand. Yeah, yeah. It was a one-point game after the first quarter, and then, like you said, it, it in the words of Will Ferrell, it just really got out of hand fast. Um, yeah. That young Florida State team just kind of overpowered them. So now with uh, Ito Smith finished and Corey Robertson also leaving for the NFL, there's going to be a lot on Quadra Drake's shoulders next year. Yeah, yeah. 
No, I think they'll be fine though. I think um, I think a lot of their defense is coming back, right? I, I would assume. Yeah, but it just you could just tell right off the bat that it was just right at the beginning. It just seemed like USM was going to take this game because you know they went down the field and scored on a seventy-eight yard drive, and it just it seemed like everything was going their way, and then all of a sudden it's just like nope, like they just kind of it, it did seem like like I kind of knew it was going to happen, but like I did not think it was going to be like that fast. I thought it was going to be a second half kind of transition but whatever right I, it's like florida state just had that moment of like oh that's right we're florida state and then just like well and and you gotta assume that you know with willie taggart in the building watching the game mm-hmm. and these guys all kind of being young they wanted to prove themselves for you know to set up for next season you know right. being ready to play next season so they had things to play for this wasn't a team that was going to go out there and not play just because you know they're in a crappy bowl game I mean, they had to also prove that they were serving of a bowl game because, you know, there was a lot of questions about were they even bowl eligible. Right, right, with the uh, whole Delaware State debacle. Yeah, so, uh, so you know, they had a lot to prove, and, you know, they did it, and a good way to end the season for them, at least. So, yeah. they'll be back next year. I mean, no no Florida team with the amount of recruiting and what they can do, none of those Florida teams are going to be down for too long, those major two at least. Right. So, yeah, for Southern Miss fans, though, this game just, you know, Florida State's a tough team. Don't get too down about it. But, you know, obviously not how you want to end it, especially like so close to home. And, uh, you know, with with a great back like Ito Smith and, you know, Corey Robertson leaving, who I think was just a really good receiver throughout his career there. You'll you'll get back. I wouldn't worry too much about it. But I would have loved to have seen FAU play this game. FAU opens the season with UCF, right? It's like the 22nd. It's like the third game of the season. Oh, okay. But, yeah, yeah, early in the season. Yeah, I think that'll be fun. Yeah, but, yeah, I agree. I would love to see FAU kind of take on FSU or <laughs> how crazy would one an of FAU, like, Miami game be just in terms of, like, oh, atmosphere? Well, there'd be so many players that knew each other, too. It'd right. Be fun. I, I just want to see FAU play a lot of P5 teams at this point. Whatever happened against Wisconsin at the beginning of this year, they've clearly kind of exercised that demon and found their, you know. Well, and you got to remember, Wisconsin's a good team. I mean, Wisconsin well, sure. was top five in the country. I mean, this is the, that, and they played them well. Like that wasn't that wasn't a. Like, it was like what was it, like seventeen to three or something at the end of the game or something. It wasn't like a huge difference in score for them. I don't think. I might be wrong. Uh, 31, There's, 31 to 14 was the final. Yeah, it's, se- it's 17 points, but I'm pretty sure they played them really well into the fourth quarter. And then, and, and they had all those, like, those distractions with the hurricane and everything anyway. So it's like, I, I don't see it being that bad or like, yeah, so at, at the end of the second quarter, it was 24-14, and then only one score in the fourth quarter, or in the, in the second half. So they, it was a close game, most of the game. That, it, it showed that FAU was a team that could play. And can play with these teams. They just, you know, they, they really hit their stride moving forward after that game. For sure. It, you know, it always takes a little bit to kind of pick up some momentum. Um, and, I mean, they, they definitely found it right around the Buffalo game. Which, so, by the way, I called the I called that result, by the way, just so we all know. Just want everyone to know that one. If you all don't remember, uh, going all the way back to, like, <laughs> like four months ago. Have we, have we been doing this for, like... We We've this done this since time. the second week of the season. Okay. So, yeah, that was like August or September. 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 Yeah. Well, time flies when you're having fun, man. Yeah. So that's uh, that's our Conference USA Bowl recap. Um, 
and you know hopefully get a little bit of better result uh, next year. Um, got a lot of teams in, just didn't really execute when they got there. So it's the way the cookie crumbles, I guess. So at the end of the season, would you rate this as a weak year for the CUSA or just like where everyone was just kind of weak and that's why so many teams made it? Or was it a strong year and they just had better opponents that they had to play in the bowl games? It's a good question. I would say... I mean, there were definitely some really good uh, opponents in here for some of these games. For example, like Troy was a really good team. Um, Colorado State was really good. Yeah, Colorado State was good. Marshall ended up winning that game. Like Tem- yeah. Temple, Temple was a pretty good team. Like compared, Temple's to- always going to be good. No one understands that. Like, yeah, Tem- Temple has a great facility. They're in a good. Like they're in a. They're in Philly. They're going to get players. So it's not like they're going to. Like they have an indoor. They have an outdoor. Like really nice complex. Like. They're going to get the guys they want to get. So even if they're not having a good year, it's because the rest of the American Conference is pretty damn good. Right. So I would say overall for this bowl season, I would kind of put it on the fact that, like, Conference USA teams had some good competition. Just kind of overall, they didn't really execute when they got to this Mm -hmm. point. You know what I mean? Uh, Because, I mean, UAB had, I mean, a pretty good opponent in Ohio. Another good G5 opponent did not show up. Um, FIU had the game against Temple. Um, kind of struggled once their good players got hurt. Marshall pulled it out. North Texas, you know, just didn't really have an answer for Brandon Silvers. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of the gist of it, I think. Just some, some tough competition and uh, also a little bit of just, like, underperforming. Yeah. Was that? Would you yeah. kind of agree on that one? Yeah, I, you know, I think um, I think it was kind of like a – I think it was a little bit of an off year. But at the same time, you know. You never know because I mean the teams that were supposed to be really good weren't as good as they were supposed to be. Marshall could have been a lot better. You know, a team like Louisiana Tech should have been a lot better. ODU should have definitely been better than they were. But at the end of the day, you know, yeah, a decent. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can get as many teams bowl eligible as this league did, I don't think you can really say it was a, like a bad year. But it was it was definitely like a weird year. Like FAU destroyed people. Uh, you know, North Texas was good but couldn't really like step up and like you know against teams where it really counted with like fau and the championship game and what have you um western kentucky just like was pretty garbage you know middle tennessee was hurt you know tech tech struggled fiu was surprisingly really good it was a weird year just on several fronts yeah definitely so you want to move on to recruiting them sure okay so for you what 2018 uh Freshman or like newcomer, so like JUCO guys, uh, are you most mm-hmm. excited about? Probably uh, the two from, I mean, the two from FAU. FIU. They're going to be just wreaking havoc in the defensive line there. I mean, uh, what's his name? Uh, Pierre Tart Spencer. Yeah. And Taylin Humphrey. Yeah. Those two are just going to, I mean, both four stars, so great gets for FIU. And, you know, they, they I mean, I'm, I'm assuming both of them probably had big offers and they went there instead and they're just i think they're just going to be able to destroy people and that might be because of the fact that fiu has such a big pool with both of those schools with east mississippi and hutchinson so i think that defensive line is just going to be outstanding next year and it's going to be hard to beat them and i think it'll just between them and fau like i think what they needed more than anything to beat fau was a good defensive line to be able to stop the run and now that they have that i think they're going to be able to compete pretty well yeah, I agree. With those two guys, I think you're going to see a really good improvement in FIU's uh, defensive line, like you were kind of talking about. Um, had the seventh most sacks in the league this year. 
uh, with 23. I think you're going to see that number uh, increase significantly. Also going to see the uh, rushing defense improve from seventh in the league to, uh, you know, kind of make a jump there a little bit. Um, seeing as they are the only two signees above a three-star in the league right now, I, I think it's pretty easy to say they're the two guys to be most excited about. I think um, a player for ODU is actually going to, he's going to make, make a huge impact once he signs, if he does sign, hopefully, mm-hmm. uh, is Robert Mayo, too. He's a wide receiver. He's 6'3", 200 pounds. He's really fast, and, you know, he's agile, and with a new wide receiver coach, I don't know who it is yet, but um, with between him, uh, Duhart, uh, and, you know, a slew of, like, guys coming back, Isaiah Harbour, that wide receiver attack should be pretty good. Yeah, that, that offense over at Old Dominion is only going to get better with uh, with experience. And I, I kind of have to think the same thing with, like, uh, Western Kentucky as well. But I, I don't really know what to make of the quarterback position over there now. Like, I feel like Drew Eccles is probably going to be the front runner for the starting job just because of the experience. But, like, I don't know. If that offensive line doesn't get better, they're definitely going to need somebody who's a little more of a runner, which is why I was excited they signed uh, Kavaris Thomas from Lakeland, Florida. I mean, he's... He's pretty fun to watch if you go back and watch his uh, his huddle tape and all that. Kid can run like for how big of a guy he is, six three two thirty. He is like a pretty fast, impressive runner. I mean, he's he's like a tall running back playing quarterback. It's you know if he can get some reps with the first team, I wouldn't be too mad about it. Considering you know if that offensive line doesn't improve, he's probably gonna have to be. A running around a lot and B pretty durable and he definitely looks pretty durable. So yeah, who else? Let me ask you. Let me just weird question here. Mm-hmm. You think what do you think the possibility of Jalen Hurts maybe transferring to FAU is? <laughs> Jason Driscoll's there for another year, right? Yeah, but if he gets Jalen Hurts, he's going Jalen Hurts. Yeah, because uh... Jalen Hurts, I don't think is staying at at Alabama unless he ch- changes positions because he's not he's no longer their quarterback. Yeah, he's, he's done. Yeah. So, then because you probably have you probably have the number one pick in three years playing quarterback now for them. So, you you just you just assume he's done, quarterback. So where where would you you think he might transfer? And do you think he could go back to one of his offensive coordinators? Who's the other one besides Kevin? Oh, never mind. He's only a sophomore. Yeah, never mind. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, if he, I don't know, if because if he transfers, he'd have to sit out a year, right? Yeah, but he has the red shirt. Oh, that's true. I mean, I, don't, I can see it going to. Uh, yeah. I can see him going to FAU, especially if like he comes back and then uh, you know Driscoll has another year under center there. But I'm not going to pretend that I know what Jalen Hurts and Lane Kiffin's relationship was like. But apparently, it's pretty good. That's that's yeah. the the whole gist of it. So uh, yeah, I mean, if yeah. he does, I mean, that would definitely make things a little more uh, entertaining. Uh, you yeah. know, it, it only kind of like, you know, the rich get richer at FAU, kind of. So, yeah. you know, from that point of view, I'd be like, eh. But I definitely understand it if, uh, you know, the job's going to be open there in 2019 or whatever. be interesting to see. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, you know, like you were kind of talking about, granted, what happened with Tua in that national championship game, I do not fault him at all if he wants to go somewhere where he knows he's going to start. Yeah, because that kid's going to be the first overall pick. In three years, I don't see anyone beating him out for that one because that kid played like a monster as a freshman in the national championship game against the number one defense in the country. 
that has to be kind of a weird situation to walk into, right? At some place like Alabama, where you know, like, just your position room alone is going to be so stacked that your job is never safe. Yeah, I mean, it's the same with Georgia now with the QBs. Like, you have, I mean, Jacob Eason's going to leave, and he was the number one quarterback in the country, and he led that team to a good year last year. It, it sucks. It, it sucks, but, like, at the same time, everyone knew that that two kid was going to be the real deal. And it just was, it was a matter of time before he got the start over Jalen Hurts. It just to, for him to come in in the way, in the fashion he did, and then just score every single touchdown and just absolutely destroy everyone. Like, like he threw the most perfect ball I've ever seen thrown. Yeah. Like twice, like tw- <laughs> it was, it wasn't even just once. He's, he did it multiple times in that game and he just, yeah. He, and he's agile, he's mobile, he's, yeah. It, it, it must suck in regards, you know? Because mm-hmm. when you go in as, like, something like, you know, if you go in as a kicker and you're on scholarship, you're the guy. You're going to you're gonna have the job unless you just ultimately just suck. But, like, in that in that position when you're you're 25-2 and two as a starter, as you've almost won a national championship already, you're, you took your team to 12-1 and one and to the championship game of the... <laughs> And then you lose your starting job. Okay. But, yeah, it, it's just kind of depressing in a way. Feel bad for the kid, but he was, you know, he he was a really good sport about it. Yeah, exactly. He, you know, he handled that situation as well as you could have, and it's got to be like, you know, Heart- bittersweet as hell. Yeah, we do not blame at all if he kind of tries to find a new home in Conference USA or you know any other G five team that's looking for a quarterback. I think if he if he goes. To any G5 team, it'll be FAU. But other than that, I don't think he'll go to any other G5 team. I think he'll go to another big school if he wants to. Yeah, all right. So with the uh, signing period, um, no, I, I think it's kind of safe to say that um, FIU kind of won that, kind of getting those two four-stars kind of un- yeah. sort of unexpectedly. But what other school besides them do you think um, – really took advantage of this signing period well and brought in the I think class. UTEP 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 did a great job. They signed zero zero players. Uh their quarter their coach didn't even start recruiting or coaching for the team until the twenty seventh. I, I think they did a fantastic job. Just kidding. Yeah. They suck. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly I think FAU could have had a better class. Um they they have a pretty good wideout there from Nero Nelson coming from uh, Copiah Lincoln Community College in Mississippi, and then they got a defensive tackle in Charles Cameron um, from the same school. So you know got a few good uh, community college guys. I think we're gonna see kind of a better jump from them once like the official signing day comes around. Um, but you know yeah, because kinda... they're last right now. Yeah, Ooh. exactly. So yeah, I think we're gonna see. <laughs> A little bit better. Um, what know, you want to know something funny? What's that? UTEP's recruiting is so bad, they're not even listed on the 247 recruiting page. I was going to say, they're not on there at all. <laughs> uh, um, it kind of depends. I mean, who did, did Western Kentucky get a quarterback? Yes, they got uh, Kavaris Thomas, who I said I was excited about. Oh, yeah, about. yeah. Western Kentucky's class is good um, so far. Got a lot of guys. Yeah, it's big. Uh, they have 13 signed that are listed. Um, so it's kind of funny. Supposedly, they have 15 signees. Yeah, um, I saw this, and two of them just don't want to say where they're going yet. 
Yeah, yeah. So basically, they have 15 signees who didn't want to say, who didn't want to like publicly say where they're going yet for whatever reason, and that's fine. That's you know their decision. But it was just funny to me how in the press conference or whatever, um, Mike. You like hinted at it, right? Well, Mike. Yeah, Mike Sanford's like, yeah, we have two signees who uh, didn't didn't want to say where they want to go yet. We'll respect their decision, but uh, the state of Kentucky is very important to us, and that's all I'll say. Wink. And you go to their list, and they have you know two Kentucky minutes, players, thirteen of them signed, and the only other two are Kentucky kids. So it's like so okay, Shannon, it's Shannon Bishop, Sa- Shannon Bishop, and Therese Trainer. Therese Trainer needs to gain some weight. Six three, one sixty. Yeah, Ooh. he's he's a little guy. Um, and then Shannon Bishop. Yeah, yeah, exactly from uh, from Louisville. Um, yeah, but I think your biggest thing is getting the uh, getting the wide receivers. Those are those two. Are gonna make a difference, I think. Both uh, one big, one smaller, but yeah. Russell Brown looks like a good player. Yeah, oh, that dude is a that dude's a, a beef. <laughs> he is a yeah. beef. Um, yeah, and and Spencer Gaddis, he's he's a, he's pretty good in his own right. He's a little bit smaller, quicker, uh, wide out. So I, you know, I think those two guys are gonna make a pretty good uh, pretty good impact next year. Um, and then they got a they got a ton of defensive talent, so hopefully that. Hey, they got a guy from Alaska. That. Where? Oh, that's Alabama. Yeah, I'm in- <laughs> <laughs> talking about Cardavian Myers, Devin Bell. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah they got they, they got a couple from Alabama, um, yeah. not Alaska. <laughs> um, Shut. Yeah, that's. I'm not smart. <laughs> oh yeah, you are. Um, but with this offensive line which obviously really needs to be addressed. They signed one in Gunner Britton and I mean it's a he's a just a big old dude. Um and luckily he's an early enrollee so I think he's going to get a little extra benefit of like conditioning with uh you know Jeff Dart and that group um and also kind of learning the system because I mean I would hope he's competing for somebody's job by the time fall camp rolls around cuz I don't think anybody on that job anybody on that line uh I don't think anybody's job is safe on that line right now at least it should yeah. be It's interesting that he went he's from Conway thought maybe he'd that, that's unfortunate for uh Coastal Carolina not to get him I think Gunnar Britton's a pretty solid get in terms of offensive linemen um they have a few or they have uh they have one other uh, offensive line commit in Troy Engel from Florida. I kind of liked the way he plays. He's not really a, a bigger dude though, so or not really like a wider dude, I should say. So we'll see what see, happens. I'd be that. I'd be weird I'd be weird about all these kids that aren't committed 100 percent yet because mm-hmm. if they if they haven't signed when they had the chance to, there's a chance that they might not. And his visits the February second for you guys. So like he, I don't think he's 100 percent sold, and he has an offer from UCF right now. Yeah. Yeah. So if he has that offer, there's a chance that he could trade over. Yeah, that's a solid point. Or Georgia point. Tech. I mean, he. I don't know if he really fits the Georgia Tech mold of what they do, so he might not work out there. But I think there's a chance he could flip the UCF. No offense, I'm just saying. Beyond being honest. No, I mean here. you're you're well within the uh, realm of. Logic I don't think he goes to Georgia Tech though. I think it would be idiotic for him to go to Georgia Tech. Yeah, that wouldn't make a ton of sense. Because they go, they go with the small linemen, anyways. Because they want to cut and just do everything possible to, you know, work on that offense or work on that uh, the triple option. Right. You know, Louisiana Tech kind of had a pretty good uh, class as well. Um, they j- like just recently passed uh, Western Kentucky for that number two spot in twenty four sevens rankings. 
and yeah, there's some definitely some pretty decent talent in here. Um, it's kind of funny that I got a kid from uh, Utah, but anyway, yeah, the, especially the uh, three-star athlete from Mesquite, Texas, uh, Maurice Wren. Um, I, I think there's definitely room for him to make an impact immediately. Um, and then they also got a three-star uh, linebacker from a community college in Texas and Trey Baldwin. So, yeah, Louisiana Tech kind of quietly had a pretty good class too. They got they got three kids from the same high school in Mesquite. Oh yeah, I see that now. Horn, Broderick Calhoun, uh, BJ BJ Williamson, and Maurice Rand. I'm such a little kid. I, oh my god, I'm so immature. Why the BJ? That made kid? me laugh. Yeah, he made that made me laugh. Well, it's spelled out like B E E J A Y. Yeah, that's what it wasn't the sexual innuendo that made me laugh. It was the fact that it was <laughs> it was spelled out that made me laugh. <laughs> you definitely don't see it like that too often. No, uh, so <laughs> like if they spelled it like someone had the name C J, they spelled it S E E J A Y. <laughs> You know somebody's done that though. There's somebody's done that. Well, there's someone named Ladasha, and her name is L A at actual dash and then A. Right. So it's La. Right. I was oh. reading somewhere um, that I guess in countries like, like in Sweden, for example, there is like a govern government approved list of like what you're legally allowed to like name. To name your kid. Maybe yeah. <laughs> like for male oh and female. God. Yeah. And then some idiot named their kid Satchel Ziffer. <laughs> Uh, the one thing I would say about Louisiana Tech's class, they only, they only have three more people uh, committed right now, so I don't think their ca- class is going to get much bigger. So you're going to see you're going to see some teams that are lower end that are going to push up higher, especially like FAU and teams like that. But then again, FAU FAU might not have a lot of spots left, like scholarships left, anyways, because a lot of their guys are younger, right? Yeah, it's a pretty like, young team for the most part. I don't see the thing about FAU. I don't think they're more talented than every team. I think they're just really well coached. And they have Monty Kiffin, or not Monty Kiffin, but the brother, I uh, can't remember his name. But that, Chris? That team is Chris Kiffin, yeah. Yeah. They're really well They are very well coached. Um, so I think they don't have too much to worry about there, um, despite the small recruiting class. Um, which I guess that's kind of a nice transition. I think we covered the recruiting aspect of that pretty well. Um, so we'll just kind of shift into some news and notes around the league, and I guess we'll just kind of start with um, the fact that Kendall Bryles is no longer FAU's offensive coordinator. He went to uh, Houston, and um, I mean, this is just my opinion on it. I say good riddance. Um, I know a lot of FAU fans were kind of like uh, eh, not really okay with the fact that he was there in the first place. And I mean, honestly, like I, I agree with that feeling of, regarding all that, and frankly, Lane Kiffin's a fantastic play caller anyway. Like, you don't really need, like, you know, you, do, you don't need him, given how good Lane Kiffin is in terms of being, like, an offensive mind. And you saw him play this year. The athletes they have are fantastic. Like, you don't need him. It's whatever. Let him go. <laughs> Can I just talk about one thing? Go for it. Houston's head coach, A, that's just a bad decision to hire someone with, like, that kind of track record. But also, his name's Major Applewhite. Yeah. <laughs> you laugh at your own name. Major Applewhite, man. Oh, dude, Major Applewhite. 
<laughs> that is the coach of the year name. That right there. I mean, I was I was on a lot of these like brackets for like best player, best name in college football, mm-hmm. but that is the coach of the year name. Me and me and uh, me and Chris Blewett won the award twice in a row for like we were the first team All Americans for uh, name of the year. Nice. He was kicker. I was punter. It was great. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, FAU should be fine no matter what. Um, he. I mean. Like I said, I think that mostly Lane Kiffin's doing anyways is that offense, and I think he'll probably take over a lot of that responsibility as the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll hire someone just to have it, but mm-hmm. he won't need it really. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, speaking of coaching departures, uh, UTSA had several. Um, defense, yes. Uh, defensive coordinator Pete Golding is going to uh, Alabama and um, – I think that's a great get for Alabama. CUS, or, uh, UTSA's defense was actually seventh in FBS and fewest yards per game, eighth in scoring, second in first downs, 19th in pass, def- pass efficiency. Uh, I mean, that defense was for real. And honestly, it was kind of only a matter of time before he got um, picked up by a P5 team. And he went right to the top. So that's kind of crazy. Um, yeah, he was, too, he was too legit to quit. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so he just stepped down. He was too legit to quit, so he quit. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then offensive coordinator Frank Skelfo has been fired. So, um, and I, I should note, in replacing Peter Golding, they promoted uh, defensive backs coach Jason Rollins to that defensive coordinator spot. So, uh, we'll see how well he does. Um, well, smart. I mean, keep uh, keep keep with the same defensive idea. Yeah, yeah. They they lost their other defensive back coach. Um, to ULL, who have like a ridiculous amount of money to spend on assistant coaches' salaries. It seems like it's crazy. Um, Apparently. And then uh, tight ends coach and special teams coordinator Ricky Brumfeld uh, got poached by Virginia. Um, Wasn't so, he at Western Kentucky? He recruited me. Ricky Brumfeld? Um, yeah. He was at, at Western one, Kentucky. Yeah, at one point. Um, yeah, he recruited me. Yeah, if you go all the way back to that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um and uh, the other one was we talked about Frank Skelfo getting fired. Um, I don't believe they have uh, a replacement for him yet. A hey, UTSA, if you need a special teams coordinator, your boy. I got all the I got all the coverages down. <laughs> yeah, have not hired an offensive coordinator so far. So right now, uh, Frank Wilson obviously still the head coach. Jason Rollins is your defensive coordinator. And then you have uh, Charlie Camp coaching the linebackers. Bo Davis on the defensive line. Jeff Casty in your receivers, Everett Sands, running backs, the usual assistant coaches. Um, so really, right now, you just need an offensive coordinator. That, that's kind of the main uh, thing missing from the UTSA Roadrunners at the moment. And they'll find it. They'll find the right guy. Yeah. It'll just be a matter. Of, they'll probably get. They'll probably take someone from FCS. I would assume. Most likely, like, um, the guy from JMU or something like that. It'll work out. That'd be interesting. Yeah, Frank Wilson's done a great job since he's been there and kind of finding good coaches and getting guys to get results. I mean, Peter Golding's kind of living proof of that. Hopefully they can get someone that can, uh, you know, stick around for the long haul. You know, it, I guess that's just kind of the nature of, uh, of G5. It's college sports in yeah, general. Yeah, it's, yeah, nature of the beast. Also noting, I don't know if I said it, but uh, Ryan Pugh, the o- uh, O-line coach for UTSA, was poached by the uh, BYU Cougars as well. So he's gone. They need an O-line coach as well. Pew, 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 pew. Sorry. 
<laughs> Never apologize for making laser gun sounds. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, another thing to get to, um, Charlotte's AD retired. Thank God. <laughs> like, I, I don't know why that gets me so worked up, but man, was she bad. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I guess it just kind of stems from like working in college athletics. I've seen a lot of like good friends and people who worked really hard to try to make what they did better and just got fired for no reason, you know, you know, got fired or lost their jobs or had unstable positions despite, you know, being good at their job and working hard and whatever. And that's, that's the nature of college athletics. But the fact that she was just giving, I don't know, the fact that she, the, the football programs had been so bad and just continually did not care. Like it looks bad for the conference as a conference USA fan. And as someone who's spent a significant amount of their life working in college athletics, like, if you're not going to try, like, go do something else. Like, that's yeah. it's frustrating. So, yeah, um, yeah she's gone. Um, Brad Lambert's still the coach. Um, we'll see how for, uh, for how long if they don't get it together in 2018. Um, UTEP announced they got a new safeties coach in Keith Burns. Um, they have a new director of player development slash high school relations in uh, Barrick Neely and a new wide receivers coach in uh, Scotty O'Hara. That happened this week. Also, like on early signing day, their signings were uh, they got a new offensive coordinator in Mike Canales and a defensive coordinator in uh, Mike Cox, Mike and Mike. So, yeah, that, that staff's starting to come together. Um, hopefully they can get on the uh, recruiting trail fast and, and uh, get some good signees come February. But, uh, you know, I, I, I we've kind of talked about how, like, Dimmel's got a tough task ahead of him, and I don't know that he was, like, the best hire they could have done, uh, they could have made, rather, given the circumstances. But at least they're filling out a staff because they have a lot of ground to make up. Black Panther comes out in a month. <laughs> God, damn God damn it. Sorry. I got really sidetracked on Facebook and this kind of just came up. It looked really good. Hey, and the trailer looks really good. That was UTEP's 2017 football season. <laughs> I'm not sure, I guess. 0 and 12. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of the. Our, um, I'm sorry, there was one other thing. Support is mounting for UAB Sports, which is kind of nice to see. They raised a new record for uh, athletics fundraising this year. It was a uh, 9.5 million in 2017. So that's. Uh, that grew by like over a million, so that's that's good to see if you're a uh, Blazer supporter. Bomb Blazer. Exactly. Yeah, they did really good. I mean, they're they're the, sh- the support's coming back, and think you don't really know what you have till it's gone. Yeah, exactly. And uh, looks like the program's only going to continue to grow. Like they they had a good year this year. They got the fan support going again, and um, you know they they have like the money now to show it. So hopefully they can kind of um, you know put that to use and. Keep growing the program. Yeah, so that uh, that kind of wraps up what we had to talk about in terms of Conference USA news and notes. We talked about the bowl recap. We did recruiting. Um, Satchel, what else you got? Nothing. Nothing? We have like six months until college football comes back now. How are you going to kill the time? Snowboarding. Yeah, oh, yeah, let me say this. If anyone – I don't even know how many – we could have like four listeners like weekly on this, but if anyone <laughs> – if anyone uh, – Lives in uh, the Colorado Boulder area, you know. Hit me up. I need a. I'm gonna need a job soon. I'm moving out there. 
That's We're right. Go Norfolk, Virginia. That's right. You're going to uh, going to grad school at uh, CU, I the am. Buffs. I am. I'm going to become a Pac-12 boy. <laughs> so there you go. See how that we'll, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, anyone's out there, uh, tw- Twitter me or you know Zanga or you know Facebook. I, I have Club Penguin. If you like that game, <laughs> play that. We can play that together. Oh my uh, god. Yeah. Did what? you that? I don't know why that reminded me of this. Have you you obviously watched the national championship? You saw the like Taco Bell commercials for that new like dollar stack or whatever, and it's like you know you have to be you don't have to be in the Illuminati to uh, the Bell Illuminati. Yeah, you don't have to be in the Bell Illuminati to buy this taco for a dollar or whatever. Uh, you, yeah, you know what commercial I'm talking about. Um, mm-hmm. Did you see? Um, Charlie Daniels tweet like the Illuminati's nothing to joke about Taco Bell. The <laughs> <laughs> um, oh joker. God. Yeah, and then somebody quote tweeted it with um, the devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a value meal. He was in the line, spent three ninety nine. Also, the Illuminati's real. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, oh, that's so funny. Um, I found my favorite my favorite like section of commercials like this last like week and a half two weeks has been uh the mayhem ones yeah where he like, he gave up on mayhem and then all of a sudden he's like nah I'm, I'm gonna do it again it's boring but <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah those were funny like it was so weird it was so weird because I was like why are they just like <laughs> just it's such it was such a good advertise like yeah. like that was such a good marketing like film it was just so smart in a lot of ways. It's like, uh, yeah, it's just, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how many people listen that are marketing advisors and stuff like that, but, you know, just in, in my mindset, that was just such a great, it was just a, such a great uh, campaign. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was entertaining and just great commercials in the uh, CFP final all around and uh, hopefully the Super Bowl can top it. Freaking Tua, man. Tua. Freaking Tua. So that was fun. Great to get back on the uh, old podcasting horse after a uh, long break there between the holidays and me being crazy sick and Satchel being crazy. <laughs> I was gonna say I was gonna give you the benefit of the doubt and say stuck in a snowstorm, but no, no, it's more or less just me being lazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. Well, yeah. So glad we could get back on it. Um, don't have a definitive date or schedule or anything on when we're going to do another one next. Um, probably yeah, we'll see you in eight months. <laughs> right, see you in eight months. Uh, I mean, we'll probably talk a little bit more once uh, signing day rolls around and that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll fill in the gaps throughout the off season, but um, not, you know, completely positive what all we're doing yet, but stay tuned. Um, on that note, Satchel, what's your sign-off line? Oh, if I don't win podcaster of the year, I'm quitting. So, this is your ultimatum, UDD. <laughs> Are they, do, I don't, do they get to vote on that, or is that just us? I don't know, but I voted for myself. Sounds about right. <laughs> I voted for you for something, too, so don't hate. I, I'm a narcissist, though, so I'm allowed to vote for myself. Oh, yeah, no, that, yeah, that makes complete sense. Because <laughs> I'm the best around. Nothing gonna ever bring me down. Happy Let's football watching, everybody. <laughs> Nothing's gonna ever bring me down. <laughs>